part of our Topaz original series of discussions regarding the future of wealth management. Today, we're going to be digging into client experience, taking as our cue the outcome of some research. Pretty compelling statement to, you know, to give a focus into client experience. That insight, I guess, begs the question, how can you enhance it, right? Particularly as service providers to private clients, and they're moving to you know more of a blend of in-person digital engagement model. How can you enhance that client experience in wealth management? To discuss it, uh, hopefully have an animated conversation between myself, Miles Hobart. I'm the CEO of Topaz, which is a wealth management solution, and Edward Turner. Yeah, hi Miles. Thanks for having me today. Um, so my name is Edward. I've been working in finance since now over ten years. Uh, generally interested in technology and the strategic evolution that wealth management is going through, especially the impact digitization will have. I'm currently a private banker at Dreyfus Bank in Switzerland, uh, focusing on managing the needs of our clients in a, in a holistic manner. The uh, strategic advisor Tuto has trying to support them in defining their vision, identifying the initial product that they can launch to market, to create that transformation and lead that transformation within uh, wealth management towards a more digitized world. When we talk about client experience in the context of wealth management and trusted advisors, yeah. I mean, ultimately, we want that experience to be driving client satisfaction, right, with the, with the firm that's offering the service. Of that satisfaction is on their side, you know, whether to stay or to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the dream scenario is your clients are your ambassadors, and they'll only do that if they are delighted with your offering across the board. So not only in the advice you provide, but how you provide it and the communication channels you use to do so. And then you'll have satisfied clients who potentially will switch if they find something better and the unsatisfied ones who will simply decide to go somewhere else uh, for multiple reasons. You know, that can be because they're not happy with a technological offering. It can be because they're not happy with how the advisors are providing them a truly holistic and specific advice. How hard is it? I mean, how sticky in this space are clients anyway? And I'm just looking, you know, client experience is obviously driving this, but are, is it getting easier for clients to sort of up tools and, and move on, do you think? So I think there are kind of two dimensions to this. Dimension A is the human element uh, of trust, and that remains very strong and very sticky. And the wealthier clients are, the likelier it is that once they've built trust, they don't want to take the risk of, of having to trust someone else. And dimension B, the side of you know, the element of trust, is obviously how easy is it to, to switch. And I think, you know, switching costs are falling. We're seeing this driven by technology on one side, but also because of regulation where, you know, open banking within payments has kind of paved the way. And I wouldn't be surprised if in you know, the next five to 10 years, your IBAN will be like your mobile number and you'll be able to take your IBAN from one custodian to, to the other, as today you do with your mobile number. That mobile number is yours and you'll move from Vodafone to Orange or Swisscom, wherever you are, the provider that is the best for you. And this tendency to switch, well, these stats seem to suggest that it's, uh, it's more pronounced in the, uh, the younger wealth owners. Yes, I mean, you know, there's a generational shift that is ongoing. 
to people that are digital natives and uh, use digital only technologies for everything in their life. And on top of that, you know, I always take the experience of, of Tinder. You know, the generation that fell in love and got married through Tinder uh, automatically will trust uh, digital offerings far more than those who haven't. You know, they've trusted digital solutions with the most important decision of their life, which is finding the partner. And so they'll do the same when it comes to their finances. People who are older, will tend to have had the same person as their strategic advisor for a long period of time. So that human element of trust is very, very strong. That is obviously not the case necessarily with younger generations, whom, especially if they're just starting with their you know, banking or family office experiences. So they need to build up that trust. And while that trust is not, as far as they're concerned, while that trust isn't there, then they are more at risk of, of moving on potentially. Correct, exactly. And I think the way trust is built is different. So let's dig into the meat of our discussion, which is really about what what can firms do about this. There's a clear statistic that client experience is a major driver of growth of the firm, of success of the firm. Uh, There's a a problem in the environment around um, switching and client satisfaction. So client experience, if you're a laggard, what does it take to move up that scale? So I know, Edward, that you see this journey as um, multifaceted, right? There's a range of um, range of factors that you need to consider. Yeah, yeah exactly. So the objective here is to try and create a bit of, bring some structure to a conversation to help identify the different factors influencing uh, client experience within wealth management. And broadly, we see kind of these four key dimensions. So dimension A is the human element. So whom are you interacting with on both ends, so on the person receiving the service and the person giving the service, then the element of trust, so why have you actually decided to work with that person or that institution, and then the advice actually given, and then how is that advice transmitted to a client through communication channels? And we're seeing that all these elements are changing because the human element is increasingly more digital native, Um, the trust element is enabled also through digitalization. Um, The advice given will have to potentially be more frequent because of the frequency of interactions that is driven by uh, digitalization communication channels. You're suggesting that you can't, there's no point doubling down on any one of these to the exclusion of the others. You need a more holistic approach. Exactly. And I think every provider will also have to identify its own unique selling proposition and strategic rationale to ensure that those four factors are aligned and the entire client experience fits within that rationale. So we're going to dig into each of these. Bringing them all together gives a bit of a roadmap or pathway for those laggards to sort of move up the scale and become a customer experience leader. Let's start with Trust is a really interesting topic because it really brings to play that that human nature of the relationship in uh, in managing private clients. Um, and we can see from you know some some of these research findings that you know clients want to be you know really comfortable around their advisors, you know at a human level, right? Find them really relatable, uh, be able to open up with them on you know particularly you know even getting into very kind of personal elements, introducing members of the family. Within all industries, trust is vital. Uh, But I think, especially within wealth management, trust plays an even higher degree of importance. And so if you look at trust, especially within banking and possibly even more after a financial crisis, 
I think two key elements were, you know, how honest are you and how credible are you? And being credible means, you know, having a sufficient track record, showing that you've got uh, the capabilities needed for the modern world, both from a competencies perspective, but also from a technological perspective. And then the track record will also have an impact on, you know, how long have you been around? And this is why I think, especially in wealth management, those institutions that have been around for long have proven that, you know, from one generation to the next, they've been capable to, to manage this, you know, complex change. And there comes in the element of security. When you say security, this is, this is the IT security? Oh, so yes. Oh, so. But for example, you know, if you remember my uh, financial crisis, people would have not been concerned about the cybersecurity risk of banks. People were mainly concerned, you know, how well are banks capitalized. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, people are raising these questions, you know, what happens if a major stock exchange is hacked? I used to work for SIX, which owns uh, the Swiss Stock Exchange, and the consequences could have been dramatic for the entire financial system. And for a client, that's important because trust and privacy go hand in hand. Um, a bank will have access to a lot of very sent, uh, sensitive data. Mm-hmm. And you want that data to be secure. And I think whom you're working with, it's increasingly difficult to be an expert at everything. You, know, you can't be a great investment officer, a great tech company, a great e-banking provider. Right. So this is bringing in other trusted advisors that you're comfortable with and that you think your client is going to appreciate and find that same level of comfort with. So almost take the pain away from them. You do that once and it works, you do it twice, it works, and then you're just building up again. I guess it feeds into that credibility and, and ultimately the trust, as you're saying. So let's move on from trust to another element of the framework, which is around the individual. We're talking about empathy ultimately, is that right? We're empathizing with the client, right? And considering each person as an individual? Exactly, yeah. Often we talk about KYC and banking, it's it's this horrendous compliance process you have to go through, filling in a huge amount of documents. And that is also very, very important. But possibly more important for client experience is actually how well do you know your clients? Are you authentically interested in that person? What are their preferences? How do they live their family life? Who's the next generation? What kind of personality do they have? Are these people risk takers or and risk averse? But the better you know that person, especially the psychological element, the emotional dimension, the easier will it be for you to manage those relationships in a proactive manner. How how do you scale that? And I know I know we're going to be talking about tools later on, but is there an element of of tools here that that enable you to you know, come up with this genuine? empathy and understanding and knowledge around the client. But I think that has to be central to your entire client journey, you know, onboarding to managing your client. You have to be able to find a place where that information can be stored, analyzed, and extract ideas in a more systematic manner. You know, our brains might be capable, might not be capable, but it's impossible to store everything. And it's even more complex to store and analyze. So that's where I think technology will play a huge role. And we're seeing this already in other industries at scale. If you take Spotify, for example, they use the data they have on their clients to target their products better. And the question is not, you know, to target your customers as with digital advertising, that you just take more value out of them. Here, I think, and this is the beauty of wealth management, is the objective is you can use that data on your clients to help them manage their wealth better. 
So it's right. got it's a win-win scenario if you manage to do it well. You're trying to extract the data, obviously as as far as the client allows you access to that data, and um, and, 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 and with the consent of their client. Exactly, exactly. With the consent, then you can turn that round and use it as a force to uh, to bring value ultimately. I mean, it's interesting this framework you're talking about because you can start to see how these elements link together. Because without the trust, the client isn't necessarily going to be willing to really open up right and let you know them understand them and to let them to you know give you a bit of the keys to some of their data um and i think also sticking with the identity uh, piece uh, there's a there's an element of this around proactive and reactive i think which leads into client satisfaction as well yeah absolutely i think and this goes back to your introductory uh, slide where we're talking about delighted, satisfied and unsatisfied clients. A delight, delighted client will always be managed proactively. A typical example will be, you know, you see an investment opportunity within your network, for example, for an artwork at an auction, and you'll call your client up and say, look, you know, I just want to let you know, I saw this, I thought it could interest you. Uh, let me know if it can be of any advice uh, or support you to finance it, da 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 that would be proactive advice. Reactive advice would then be, um, the client calls and says, I saw this artwork at auction, I'd like to buy it. I've already spoken to four banks, let me know what the value, the cost of lending would be. And then you split, you know, satisfied and unsatisfied clients. The satisfied ones are those that receive quality and response. And the unsatisfied ones are those that either don't receive a response or the quality of response is very poor. Let's move on to a pretty meaty part which is you know the core advice there's a lot of different stats and views out here so we captured um, captured one which is that advice is too generic right these people are paying a goodly sum into these institutions to um, to advise them and you know linking back to the other elements of the framework about the proactiveness the uh, trusting that the person is going to be doing the right thing for you and the empathy of who they are as an individual you know, it's pretty damning to, to say, or it's contradictory to then say, well, this advice is, is too generic. I was asking myself the question earlier, is of the framework advice the biggest client experience um, success factor? Obviously, advice is ultimately the kind of a core element of that relationship. It's the what. So what are you providing to your clients? If we look at advice, there'll be the quality of advice, there'll be the scope of the advice, and then there'll be your ability going back to what we were discussing earlier, to partner within an ecosystem with other trusted advisors of your client. Mm. It can be you know, a tax advisor, it can be an advisor for an art collection, it can be a corporate trustee, for example. I wouldn't say, going back to your, to your question, that it's the one that has the biggest impact and can be easily quantified. However, the higher the quality of advice, the higher the value of that relationship. And that's where I think your initial element of, you know, generating a high return on investment on relationships, maximizing shareholder value, that's where it comes from. One person can't know everything. So there's this value of the, the ecosystem and bringing in the, the best parties, the most expert parties, which are the most relevant for this, this individual and this situation. And again, links back to the trust that this person will be able to find these people for you. But this this networking partnering is is, is a pretty big big element of the advice equation then. Correct. And this is also an evolution we're seeing. 
40 years ago within banking, you wanted your information to just be in one place. The fewer people knew your, your financial data, the better. Nowadays, regulation does not allow you to do that. And B, also you as a client, your life, especially the wealthier you are, your life has become more complex. This means you'll need to onboard all those trusted advisors and make their life as easy as possible to add value to your relationship. In your initial statement, you were talking about generic, specific advice. And this is where I think you know, the evolution has to come from. You as an advisor are not just advising on what you can see of your client, but you also consider all the other dimensions. Quality. Quality of the advice, yep. Exactly. You know, can it be implemented? It's pointless to give people advice that then takes either cost of fortune to implement or takes a very long period of time to implement or implementing it has a lot of risks or the ability within the advice to connect the dots. So not only to think about, you know, the next step, but in a more holistic manner, what is the consequences of that on other factors? How are you seeing technology influencing the quality of the advice? Are there big strides that we can point to to say that, okay, the level of advice has increased by X thanks to this innovation or that innovation? Or is this very early days? Is there a lot of hype in this space? You know, if you want the advice to be of high quality, you have to know your client well, mm-hmm. understand their needs, their core needs, and then meet and ideally exceed their expectations when it comes to delivering the advice. So there, what we were discussing earlier, you know, your ability to, to have more data, uh, aggregate data, to extract more holistic information, to then enable more specific advice. So the key part is the aggregation, using systems to aggregate not just the information about the client, which includes obviously their investments, but could be multi-banked. The more holistic, the better, really. You know, ultimately, you'll have you have this advice, your element of advice. You know, what are you telling a client uh, that they should do? But then you want them to understand it, to be able to implement it, and that's where visualization plays a key element. Mm. And you know, from paper to digital screen, that are more dynamic, more specific. You can also tailor that to the needs of your client. You know, your client might be able to just create his or her own dashboard with the information they want, instead of just having you know, different bank statements that look in different ways, depending on who your banking provider is or who your portfolio manager is. That's where technology again plays a huge element. And there we are still at the beginnings. When we talk about mining the data, we're really talking about machine learning, big data, putting together really all the goals, the empathy, the in, the individuality of this person, their situation, their assets, what they're trying to achieve, and then using technology and uh, that the client can see and say, okay, this doesn't look generic, right? This may have been largely influenced by algorithms, right, that you guys are deploying as my advisor, but I'm also assuming that this is built, this is being brokered, if you like, by or curated by humans, by trusted advisors, and I'm looking at it and it kind of makes sense, right? It doesn't feel generic anymore. And just to try and add on to what you mentioned, Miles, I was once listening to a podcast about the guy that invented the ATM. Obviously people expect, you know, the ATM would replace people working, you know, behind cashier at a bank. And it has, but those people simply evolved. And now, you know, you go into your bank branch 
And instead of just getting cash, you'll discuss a mortgage or you'll look at insurance possibilities or you know, your pension, whatever. And I think that same evolution is going to happen in the high net worth and nice affluent ultra high net worth space. And that will you know, benefit the client immensely, but especially it will also benefit the advisor. Because you know, all those repetitive mundane tasks, you, you'll, you'll be able to delegate to a machine, which will do it better, more systematically. And then you can connect the dots. You can be specific. You can work with that ecosystem. And I think that's the advice of the future. Fantastic. So we said that advice would be quite a, a large topic, but I think we've yeah. uh, had a, a fair stab at uh, tackling it. And let's move to the final part of the framework, tying everything we've said before together and considering right how, how does this get messaged to the client and how do does the client collaborate, communicate back? What does that digital channel look like? And how important is it to um, to the overall client experience that we've been talking about? But also, you know, digital is great. Collaborating digitally is, again, a certain inevitability about that. But there's a very small proportion that is happy to go digital only. So we're talking now about a sort of hybrid model digitization continues its sort of relentless advance. The profile of the clients, as we were seeing at the beginning, are becoming more digitally savvy. This is a pretty interesting area, right? And uh, kind of a hot topic, I would imagine, in the industry. Absolutely. There's a disconnect between what clients expect from their advisors. They want them to be tech savvy in the technology phase of the world in the decision-making process. And the people offering uh, services within the wealth management industry where very few are digitally enabled. Mm. And uh, we've seen this, and I think you know, the pandemic has accelerated this, um, how it has enabled a lot of people to move a lot of their communications to digital-only channels instead of having to travel all over the world for meetings. And that hybrid model has also highlighted just how fragmented those interfaces are. You know, you'll have most banks that will still use some form of e-banking, you'll have most law firms that will use email, you'll have some law firms that will use PDF, some will use Word, you'll have some corporate trustees that have their own digital offering, but most of them will still communicate through emails. You know, some will share an Excel, some will share their digital banking tool, but at the end of the day, it's all scattered around the place. And everything is a different interface and it's a different login. And the data is in, potentially even in a different model. It can't be aggregated and analyzed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is kind of a challenge I think advisors are also fighting with. What we're seeing is that you know, very often an institution will have some kind of a platform that they're using internally. You know, they're tying together their C, they'll have a CRM, they'll have a wealth management system, they'll have maybe other. And maybe that vendor has done a client portal sort of in in quotes where which they sort of tagged on to the end when you think about the client um, those solutions will never give them the breadth of interaction and and, and data visualization that they look that they're really looking for right if you just take a step back and think of it from the client's perspective they want this aggregated view of everything that they need to 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 see to process, they need it in a very digestible way, and they need that that interaction, that online engagement layer that maybe with one or multiple advisors 
And as you're saying, it's just we're just not seeing it in the market today. And and for me, this is really striking, given that these individuals that we're talking about, these high net worth individuals, I mean, in every other aspect of their lives, they expect and they get the sort of premium experience, you know, be, be it at the service level, the product level, whatever it is. But when it comes to digital from the services, these hopefully trusted services that have you know empathy, giving great advice, as we've talked about, they're not seeing it at the moment. And it does seem like there's, a, there's an extraordinary gap in the market. And over the next couple of years, I'm assuming there's going to be quite a lot of catch up in this space. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, the industry has a, a bit more fragmented with, you know, potentially fewer banks, but a lot of external asset managers, alternative asset managers, you know, private equity funds, your hedge funds, that you that. And high net worth individuals will be invested in multiple asset classes. They'll have different needs, different fiscal domiciles. They might have a property in France, a property in the Swiss Alps, uh, potentially US platinum in London, whatever. And it's very difficult for them to, to have a holistic view over all of that. And beyond it, I think what we see nowadays is that every single party within that ecosystem has tried to kind of implement quick fixes. Mm. And some have done it to outsource. So they've just you know, created an e-banking so that you know, they can outsource certain more transactional relationship matters to their clients such as payments, for example. Some implemented Teams or Zoom to have conversations with their clients. Some still just use email back and forth. I think, you know, if we go back to that element of trust again, it's absurd that you have this fragmentation because the more fragmented it is, the more scattered around the place the data is. And the higher the risk that someone can actually get to at least one piece of a puzzle, once you've got one piece of a puzzle, it's easier to reconstruct the rest. There's an element of security and credibility um, when you're able to demonstrate that you are working with the best partners when it comes to, to implement your, your technological solutions to ultimately manage the clients in a hybrid model. How important, from your perspective, is the element of design user experience? Design is, is what will differentiate you from others. The nicer it is to use something, the easier it is to use it, the higher the frequency of your interaction, and the more frequent your interaction with your clients, the stronger that element of trust, the higher the value of the advice you can provide. It's, it's kind of this virtuous circle. But design is a USP. Yeah. Um, and then tying it back to some of those other elements in the framework of, uh, of trust in this case. Great conversation, Edward. Thanks so much. Thank to, you, Ross. We enjoyed it. We can see the, the the four elements of this client experience framework. If we just remind ourselves where we came from, we said that you know the evidence is 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 pretty clear that you know the client experience is is a must-have, right? Getting up from being that laggard to the leader. You know, if you're interested in in growing your business, particularly as, as things continue to evolve with the changes we've been talking about, then you know you can't just sit by and 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 carry on business as usual, right? Client experience is a major element of of growing your business, sustaining your business, retaining your clients. You've identified four key elements as part of your framework that um, that are you know non-negotiable they can't be just one in isolation it's a blend of all four could you just 
summarize maybe some of the key takeaways from from each of these framework elements? So I think you know this framework is obviously not an absolute solution to all problems related to client experience. The idea is just to provide some structure to enable people to have conversations and as you said, then ideally implement solutions that will maximize that client experience to become a leader. And we have those four elements of the element of the human element who is providing advice and receiving advice, the element of trust, why are you actually engaging with that person by institution? Communication channels, how are you doing it? Is it you know through a digital interface? Is it in a live meeting? Um, is it a mix of both? And then what are you actually conveying as a message from an advice perspective? To sum it up, the objective is to be as specific as possible, become that strategic partner, and be holistic in your advice. And with holistic, I mean consider all the factors. Specific, I mean not generic advice. And strategic, you have to be there. And again, this ties into that proactiveness. Be there when your client needs you in those life-changing moments. And be their strategic partner in that moment. Thank you so much for sharing your framework, your thoughts. Hugely enjoyable conversation. And uh, yeah, we'll be... uh, Talking again soon, I'm sure. I hope so too, Mark. I enjoyed it so much. Uh, I think it is, we're trying to answer the critical question. We're seeing that there's a huge amount of change going on in the industry. And I think ultimately this will translate in more value for clients and more value also for advisors like myself. We'll be able to focus more on what they actually enjoy and then create more value for their clients.